I'm Sue Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to another live simulcast of the Huddle Up podcast on both YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He's going to be doing a lot more work at MileHighHuddle.com here in the very near future. we got some things cooking. Zach Kelberman. Zach, how are you doing tonight, bro? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited about the news we're going to talk about today. It's two uh, news pieces that we've been kind of teasing at for a little while now. And one person actually exists on the Broncos defense. The other one probably gets to start in a couple weeks. So exciting times in Broncos land after returning from a bye week. Let me welcome in a few of our awesome listener viewers who are with us live. Stuart, what's up, brother? Buona uh, Beast in the house. Uh, let's see. We got... Uh, let me move on here. Keep going down. Garrett, what's up, buddy? Yep, we're going to talk what's about up? that. Liberal hater, hi. The room is is filling in. Ben Lee, what's up, brother? I see All Zach right. is invisible. It's pretty funny. Oh, we already have a uh, super chat donation. Let me let me get to that from Solomon. Solomon thank you, Solomon. Appreciate, Appreciate you, brother. He says, bro, you guys do great work. Thanks for being in the Broncos family. Thank you. Of course. The lights on here at the Huddle Up podcast. Guys, we have a lot to get to. We're going to dive into Bryce Callahan. We're going to talk about what Vic Fangio had to say about Drew Locke today at the podium. But first, you guys, a couple of just really quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If we have programming changes when we go live, all that stuff, you want to be plugged in by following the show on Twitter. And, of course, take some time and go leave a creative review on the show, on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts. What that does is it's a great way to help support the show in a, in a meaningful and organic way. And it also enters you into the drawing. In fact, tonight, Zach, we get to announce the two winners 
from yes. October's randomly selected reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've uh, two people won. Let me let me list off the first one. This comes from DC in LA sixty six on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, if you're one of the listeners that we read off here, contact myself and Zach at milehighhuddle at gmail.com. That's milehighhuddle at gmail.com with your personal details, and we will send you some merchandise, some Mile High Huddle Huddle Up podcast merchandise. DC and LA 66 says, I love this show. Contrary to so much football analysis out there, Chad and Zach are informative and cerebral. I mean, it's like listening to two con. Well, I won't splurge on that, but great five-star review. Thank you uh, to DC in LA 66. And then also Batman 8926. He says, great shows. I love this group. Read several articles by them and then by other sites. And the other sites were saying the same things in the exact same way as these guys. But the Mile High Huddle had posted and published their article first. Well, thank you, Batman and DCNLA. Make sure you contact us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, with your address, your name, your real names and address, and we will send you out some swag. And so that's why you need to get in on these, these reviews on Apple Podcasts. You guys go take care of that business. And big thanks to everyone. If we didn't draw your name, apologies. Um, thank you so much for chipping in. It's organically you're helping the show uh, regardless. So we appreciate you guys. Now, oh, we got another donation here. Stuart McPeak coming in much. strong. Thank you, you Stuart. And Stuart, you're uh, you are so consistent. Appreciate you, brother. All right, Zach. First and foremost, let's just get this out of the way, and then we'll get to what's on everyone's mind here in the comment stream. Yeah. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Drew Locke, okay. Drew Locke, we finally got word on Monday from Vic Fangio. They are the Broncos. They are going to begin practicing Drew Locke starting tomorrow. Now, this week, they are going to have an extra practice. Normally, they would only practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday ahead of a, <clears throat> a Sunday game. This week, though, they're also going to practice on Tuesday, although it won't be a full practice. There's going to be somewhere around 30, 40 reps to go around. But Drew Locke is officially practicing, Zach. Finally, I, this is the the occasion that all of us have waited for, albeit probably a little later than all of us wanted. But we're finally at least going to see Locke uh, integrate within the offense again, get around the starting players that he's going to play with at some point this season. I did see a report, though, that still claimed he's going to be Allen's backup for a couple weeks. Now he'll probably get cleanup duty for week 14, week 15, week 16. I personally don't think it's enough audition time, but, you know, baby steps here, and we have to appreciate Locke being back on the field. It's exciting. The Broncos have two young quarterbacks in the mix now after having just zero with Flacco. Here's what I don't like. Okay, here's what fan, it's great step in the right direction. They're finally giving him some reps, gets to practice. He gets to go out, and instead of doing the VR practices, which he was doing twice each and every day, on he, he would watch the, Bron the Broncos practice first and foremost. Then he would, because remember, those practices were being recorded through a helmet of the quarterback, whether it was Flacco and then Allen. So those practices would be recorded. The coaches would take that film from the helmet, put it into the VR program, Drew Locke would go in and do go through the entire Broncos practice twice so he can go through the reads, the checks, the line of scrimmage, all that stuff, stay on top of his game mentally, cerebrally, which is great. Now he gets to go out 
and actually have live bullet snaps, reps, not so much in-game yet. But here's what concerned me, Zach. Okay, I want to get your take on this. He was asked, Fangio, directly whether or not there, there is a mapped out plan for Locke's return to the active roster. Now, remember, the Broncos have a three-week window once they start him tomorrow practicing with which to basically a deadline, if you will, activate him to the 53-man roster. Is there a mapped out plan for Locke's return to the active roster? Here's what Fangio said, and tell me what you think on this. Quote, no. It's not mapped because it's going to be determined by how he looks and what we think, close quote. Now, Zach, he's he's speaking specifically to, obviously, uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt, a specific date that Locke's going to debut as a starter, I think is what he was really speaking to. But not having a mapped out plan for Drew Locke 11 weeks into his rookie season and two weeks since Joe Flacco, since you knew Joe Flacco was done for the season, how concerning is that to you? Uh, a little bit, but not surprising in the least, considering they've really dragged their feet with Drew Locke. And, and from one timeline to another, from when his first injury first popped up, we haven't been consistent in the way they've handled it or the way they've at least reported it publicly. I'm not surprised they don't have a specific concrete plan because I don't believe they have enough faith in Drew Locke for whatever reason uh, to just give him the keys right away and expect him to run with the car. I um, It doesn't surprise me. I don't agree with it, but... You know, you got to just roll with the punches with Drew Locke. It seems like the Broncos just flying by the seat of their pants. There's no plan in place. It's truly a week-by-week process at quarterback, which is not how you handle things in that position. Big $20 donation from Paul there on Thank Super you, Chat. You are the man, Paul. You know, here's my thing is it's felt like throughout this entire process, right, ever since the Broncos made the curious decision in the first place to put him on IR, they they coveted that third quarterback spot on the roster more whatever they could do with that third spot on the 53 than having Locke available and ready to go because he was cleared to practice let's see what was it week physically with his thumb he was cleared to to practice around week seven he was good to go so he could have been going through the practice reps from then till now and be so much farther along in his development than he is going to be when he starts practicing again tomorrow it's never felt like and then we have that the Broncos have a plan for him. And then we have the mixed signals from John Elway saying, well, you know, I'm relying on what the coaches tell me and basically intimating that the coaches are telling him he's not ready mentally yet. He's not ready physically. And then the, literally the very next day, Rich Scangarello takes to the podium and talks about how, yeah, he's done great from a mental perspective. Drew Locke has been impressive to Rich Scangarello. It's felt like Zach, that there really hasn't been a concerted plan unless unless the actual plan has always been we don't want to play Drew Locke at all in right. 2019. And the only reason it's even kind of looking like it might be heading that way is because of how bad the season has gone and because there's such hue and cry in the fan base and media. I, I was thinking when you were saying that there might have been a concerted effort for Drew Locke, but there wasn't a cohesive effort. One hand doesn't know what the other is doing, and that's been the case for a few years now because Elway calls the shots alone. So maybe he wanted Drew Locke on a certain time frame, and Scangarello had different ideas, and Fangio had different ideas. It doesn't seem like they all work seamlessly together. We talked about on the on the pregame podcast before the Colts game how Indianapolis's general manager and head coach they work so well together and were able to weather the storm of Andrew Luck retiring. That's not easy to come back from but you had a plan in place you have confidence in Jacoby Brissett and they've won some ball games because they've been on the same page until the Broncos get there with Drew Locke it's going to continue being this jumbled mess that we have to try to decipher also in news today from Fangio 
Bryce Callahan is going to try and practice starting on Tuesday. Now, fans can remember, in fact, the report was September 25th. So I think, I'm not sure exactly what week that fell on in the schedule, but September 25th, he had undergone a procedure that was designed to promote healing on that foot. And we knew at that point, according to Fangio, it was going to keep him out an additional four to six weeks. They're going to break the ice, hopefully, on that. Starting tomorrow, he's going to practice. Fangio said that basically they're just testing him out to see how he does, see how he responds, see if he can weather any pain or discomfort or if there is going to be any pain or discomfort. But they could have placed him on IR. Now, that's the questionable thing is Drew Locke's been ready to go for a few weeks. Callahan's still in the wind. If you were going to – once on IR, one didn't get placed on IR. If you were going to place one of those guys on our IR, you'd figure it would be the guy who you signed two months after he had a surgery on his foot right. and then aggravated that severely in a training camp scrimmage and instead of the rookie who sprained his thumb and you knew from your doctors he was going to be good to go about midseason. Yeah, I still don't understand why he was even on IR, Drew Locke, with a sprained thumb. It could have been a, a four- to five-week injury. They could have just you know kept him on the roster. But that being the case, Callahan, to me, it's not for 2019 anymore. They have to know what this guy has, if he meshes in the Fangio system in Denver, if they can potentially move on from Chris Harris Jr. He's a big domino to fall in that secondary, and once it does, they can kind of form their plan of attack. Chad, we talked about on yesterday's pod the secondary and their cornerback plans and their safety plans. A lot is contingent on Bryce Callahan and what he can do. He can be that long-term replacement for Chris Harris Jr. We just don't know if he's able to physically or emotionally, mentally, but they get got to get him on the field like Drew Locke just to see one way or the other what they have. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. I hope fans get a shot to see Callahan in action on the field at the same time as Chris Harris which in order for yeah. that to get, be guaranteed to happen, needs to happen in 2019 at some point. But here's what's going to happen in reality is he's going to practice starting tomorrow. If it all goes well, I, I wouldn't expect him to be available to play this week regardless. They're going to start practicing him this week. Remember, Fangio, you know, he errs on the side of caution when it comes to returning and activating injured players. He waits till all sign of discomfort. If there's any question, he just sits them. So I don't think you're going to, even if everything goes perfectly according to plan for Callahan, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I'd be stunned if they played him on Sunday. But never say never. I think more likely is if it all goes well and there's no setbacks, it's week 12 on the road at Buffalo that you might see the debut of Bryce Callahan. Now the flip side to that coin, Zach, honestly, if he suffers a setback or he goes out and practices on Tuesday, yeah. wakes up Wednesday and his foot's on fire, time to put that dude on IR. And there's your spot for Drew Locke right there. Right. That's exactly the way it would go. And it, it's bittersweet because you want to see Callahan play. But maybe meshing him into Buffalo where they don't have a, a more potent passing attack and Minnesota looked really good last night's game. Maybe a little easier spot for Callahan. I agree, though. Get him practicing now. Get him back in the defensive the mix now and, and try to ease him back out there just to see if he's a lemon, if he can withstand uh, a 60-minute game, or what, if he can even perform up to the level like he played last year. It is exciting. And like you said, it, I want to see Chris Harris Jr. and Callahan place him some defensive snaps together. That would be a nightmare, I think, for opposing def- uh, offenses. For what it's worth, Buana Beast, Fangio said Jawan James' status for week 11 this week against the Vikings is up in the air. So I wouldn't count on it. I mean, we'll see whether or not on the practice reports starting tomorrow, whether or not he participates or at what level he participates, whether he's limited or a full participant. My guess is at best he's limited, which doesn't portend well for him playing. Um, Let's get to a few other questions here. 
Richard says, any chance that Locke has been doing really well in meetings and VR training and all the contradicting comments the last two weeks are just to throw upcoming teams off? Honestly, Zach, I don't think the Broncos are thinking that far ahead or, you know, that we're not talking about the KGB here. Talking about John Elway, right? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, he's he's all about strategy, but that's just on the on the side of paranoia. I don't think they're going to go that far. This isn't North Korea where they have to start deciphering messages and and and, and you know, uh, misleading the media or the public. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, not to minimize your question there, Richard, because NFL teams absolutely do you know play with each other, and there is some uh, let's call it football espionage at times. But in this case, I I don't think the mis- the, the the mixed signals are anything other than a, a, a front office not being, you know, uh, in tune or in lockstep with what's happening at the coaching and the playing level necessarily. The priorities are slightly different. And Ben here says lock practice. Lock was not, not uh, activated two separate things. Actually, lock hasn't practiced yet, Ben. He will start practicing tomorrow. The Broncos didn't practice today. So that'll start tomorrow. And yes, two separate things. He's being activated to practice. He'll st- technically still be on injured reserve if and until the Denver Broncos activate him to the 53-man roster, which they'll have a three-week window to make that evaluation. Um, Ben says, Fangio's reluctance to indicate whether or not Locke would be one of the two IR players brought back has me worried. I really hope Locke just kills it in practice. And I agree with you there, Ben. I don't know what this team feels like they have to lose. Like if, if he's even a fraction of the player you think he is, you spent a 40 number 42 overall pick on him, Zach, you traded up to grab him. If he's even a fraction of the player that you think he is, why wouldn't you be going to any length to get him on the field? And when you're put on the spot, Hey, we're starting at him in practice on Monday. Yeah. We're going to activate him here soon. Cause he's fully healthy. It's not like he's still hurt. Right. Now, the only thing I can think of is Elway doesn't want to get another QB choice on the field, and that QB choice is another one who busts. That would be, I think, the last nail in Elway's coffin. If Drew Locke, the guy they've been putting in mothballs, the guy they traded for, if he's also a lemon, it just wouldn't portend well to Elway's reputation or long-term longevity uh, in Denver. So they got to get him on the field one way or the other, though. They can't keep playing this fence-straddling game. It's pick a side here. Fortunately, I think the side is, is, is leaning toward him playing sooner, hopefully, than later. Richard wants to know, if he plays well in practice, do we possibly see him take the field in the next couple of weeks? Zach, what do you think, timetable-wise? Fangio would not allow himself to be tied down to anything timetable-wise, but what do you think? Week 14, I think, is the earliest, and I I don't want to say that, but I'm thinking with my brain and not my heart here. Week 14, week 15, something in that time frame, because Brandon Allen will come back down to earth eventually. Nick kind of hinted at the fact that it was – uh, a, a culmination of, of, of all of the Broncos' efforts. It wasn't just Brandon Allen in that Browns game. So he's going to come back crashing down to earth, and the Broncos will be still in the same position looking for a viable long-term quarterback. Now you have Drew Locke perfectly healthy. I just think it's too little too late, week 14, week 15, sometime in that, in that time frame. Larry, one distinction here on your question, and maybe this needs to be cleared up for some Broncos fans. Drew Locke is on injured reserve. Callahan has been on the 53-man roster this entire season. They've been consuming that roster spot, wasting that roster spot, however you want to say it. He's been on the 53 this entire year. And I think this is the week that's going to determine whether or not he stays on the 53 with an eye toward playing here in the next two, three weeks, or if they just bite the bullet, put him on IR and say, look, we got to get this dude healthy. We're going to look at Callahan uh, 2020. So we'll see how that shakes up. Quentin wants to know if there's been any updates on Devontae Bosby, who's also on injured reserve with that neck. Um, no, and he's going to remain on injured reserve. That was kind of a scary injury. If you guys can remember, 
He didn't have feeling in his in his from his neck down for 30 minutes following that stinger yeah. from Alexander Johnson. Uh, and he's done for the season, but you'll see him back in Denver next next year, Zach. And that's one situation and one guy where I would want the Broncos to express the utmost caution. You don't play around with, with you know paralyzing injuries and stuff like that. So he looks like a great player in this scheme. The Broncos, I think, saw enough of him to keep him on the roster and just get him perfectly good for 2020 because health is more important than football. Paul ups the ante on Super Chat from a $20 wow. donation. To Thank 50. you, Paul. You are Appreciate the man. You. He says, I want to see Locke under fire. How do we know if he's the guy uh, protecting him until weaker teams, you don't face Cincy in the Super Bowl. Exactly. The, uh, Paul's point being that, you know, you don't wait till you get Cincinnati or the Miami Dolphins yep. on the schedule before you roll out your quarterback. You get him as ready as you possibly can, and then you throw him out there and and you roll the dice, and and you, you what comes, comes. But they need – young quarterbacks have to play. That's Even Elway has said this before he ever became a front office GM. And if you were to ask him privately, he'd probably say the same thing. Put him on the public spot. He might give you a different uh, you know, company line or GM speak. But privately, Elway has said before that he believes, Zach, the best way for a young quarterback to develop is play. And it actually is echoed by just about every coach in the NFL. Even Vic Fangio said a few weeks ago, the only way that young players develop is to play. And I'm going to take it a step further. The only way they learn is by failing and throwing those interceptions and taking sacks and, and being um, off target. That's how Drew Locke, a player who learns by doing, is going to get better, not by sitting on the bench and using virtual reality. I want him to face those bad teams because for his long-term growth, throwing a three-interception game and learning from that, watching the film and correcting those errors is much better than throwing for 200 yards, a touchdown and a pick, and just getting by with that kind of result. I want him to get out there. I want him to face good teams because iron's going to sharpen iron here, and it's only going to make him a better quarterback. This is a good point here by Ben, because we had Nick on yesterday, of course, and we, he talked about, you know, you got to keep the door open at this stage, being that we have zero evaluation on Drew Locke. you got to keep the door open on the possibility anyway of a first-round quarterback in 2020. However, Ben's point here is a salient one. John Elway personally traveled to scout Drew Locke last year and the year before. He scouted Baker Mayfield. He scouted traveled to scout Sam Darnold. I have not heard of him sniffing around the college quarterbacks at all this year. And, Zach, I, I can't think of an instance either. I, I believe there was a contingent at the uh, Bama-LSU game, wasn't there? Because there's two quarterbacks in that game. So if there was – that was, I believe, the first I've heard of it. It's true that they've been a little more low-key about their their quarterback plans. I think they're keeping it close to their chest because they truly don't know either. They don't know if Locke's going to pan out. They don't know what they're doing with Flacco, I think, just yet. They don't know if Brandon Allen's going to be a starter. So until one of those dominoes falls, they really can't show their hand by scouting quarterbacks. But rest assured, until they nail down their franchise guy, they are not going to stop looking, nor should they. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Zach thinks he's he heard something. I don't know. I didn't read anything about the Broncos, and I wasn't told by people I know that they were there. But I'd be stunned, Zach, if the Broncos didn't have some contingent of scouts there. Now, Elway himself, from what I know, wasn't there. But the Broncos would be crazy not to have some kind of a scouting presence at that game because you got the two best teams, arguably, in the SEC going at it with two top-flight quarterbacks. I, I believe it was a Cliss report that I saw on Twitter the night of the game. I might be wrong, yeah. but even yeah. if even with um, uh, Elway's aversion to Alabama players, there's no way you don't have one representative at that game. There's just way too much star power on both sides of the ball. Here's the problem, Jordan. He's he, Jordan's excited to see Locke practicing, build a rapport with Sutton, hoping hoping that it helps out Hamilton get to the next level. I I hope to see that eventually too. But he's not going to be getting the first team reps. Those guys are first team. Right now, Deshaun Hamilton is yeah. the number two wide receiver. Sutton's the number one. Brandon Allen's getting those reps right now, for better or for worse. Drew Locke, from what Vic Fangio said, they're going to be getting him you know, all the scrap reps, basically, whatever. Second team, mostly scout team to start. They're really going to take it slow. Not, not that playing scout team is nothing. I mean, basically, the purpose of the scout team each and every week, Zach, is to emulate what right. the opponent coming up on the schedule does offensively for the benefit of the first team defense as opposed to necessarily running the Broncos place. So they're going to have to balance both those running Broncos plays so that they can gauge where Locke's at in his development with the system while also letting him run scout team and, you know, go up against the ones. And when Locke gets a shot, they can't worry about developing the, the, the uh, auxiliary players like Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick. They have to worry about their centerpieces, which are Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton, and have Drew Locke there and keep him protected behind that offensive line. If anyone, like I agree, he'll build a, a nice rapport with Cortland Sutton. He has a big arm, throw it to him in the end zone. But Deshaun Hamilton's been very disappointing this year, and I don't think the insertion of Locke is going to suddenly change that. Adnan says, do you believe that Elway delayed bringing back Locke because he's trying to still make it into the postseason with Brandon Allen? I think that's definitely a factor, uh, Adnan. I think that there is that part of Elway, the eternal optimist, and you need to have that optimism. As a competitor, you have to always believe you have a shot to win, A. B, if things aren't going well, you also have to have that optimism and confidence to believe you can dig yourself out of the hole. But the problem is – at a certain point, that reaches a delusional level, Zach, where you're sitting at three and six. And even though the Chiefs lost, even though the Chargers lost, that helps you a little bit. But you're still so I mean, you're still three games below 500 and you're at week 11, Zach. So statistically, the Broncos have not been I should say mathematically, the Broncos have not been eliminated from the playoffs, Zach. But from an odds perspective, I mean, they are so slim that it's almost not even worth talking about. It should, yeah, you still go into each game and you try and win, like right. Vic Banjo talked about on Monday, but I don't think you should base necessarily your personnel 
decisions in the short term, 100% around what gives us the best chance to win today because your season is probably over. You need to also start making moves personnel-wise that are going to help you for the future. I think at some point this year, even amid the Broncos losing streak, the Elway thought they can still compete, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and, and say that he learned from his past mistakes. And he looked himself in the mirror and looked this team in the mirror and realized we're not going to make the playoffs this year. The Brandon Allen thing screams to me that he's waiting as long as possible to, to, to play Drew Locke until and when the Broncos are eliminated from the playoffs officially, then he can play as young quarterback. I just still happen to think he's so scared and so gun shy from the Pax and Lynch disaster. This is the first high round quarterback we've seen in Denver since Pax and Lynch. And he doesn't want that quarterback to fail. I just think he has so much PTSD. He's yeah. taken this thing down every week. He can take it down until Brandon Allen fails and he's left with no options. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. That's definitely has to, I don't doubt for a second that that's a factor as well. Now, another interesting story broke on Monday. Not so much Bronco-oriented, but there are Bronco implications that Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos is looking to get into the game as an NFL owner. Now, there are a few teams out there that uh, are primed for the pickings. The Broncos are still technically owned by the Bolin family. They're being currently operated by the Bolin Trust which is a three-person trust spearheaded by team president and CEO Joe Ellis. But as you know, there have been all these legal issues going on between the family, battling with the trust, trying to get different factions, trying to get control of the team. Meanwhile, the NFL, Zach, has allowed this to continue. How much longer are they going to allow this drama to unfold? This team you know, lost at sea, a ship without a rudder, et cetera, before NFL front office steps in and forces an arbitration and maybe – allows a viable owner and an attractive owner like Bezos to come in and make an offer. Who knows? Yeah, it's definitely a process that has to play out. But then you have to think about this prospective owner. They have to, what, cut a check for $500 million. You want to really buy the Broncos at this stage right now, considering all the turmoil. Um, Bezos is from Seattle, or at least Amazon is. And I think the Seahawks didn't replace Paul Allen yet. I'm not mistaken, as owner. That would make a perfect opportunity for him. Very winning, successful franchise. Um, the Broncos are, they have the history, they have the the uh, the lore, but that they don't have the results that I think would entice a billionaire to plunk down a substantial amount of their net worth to own a team right now. I mean, they're worth, they're still worth like $2.5 billion, the Denver Broncos, even as a, even as a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2015. I mean, in the NFL, you don't have to be a winning team to be a profitable team. The way the league is set up. It's so unlike MLB and even NBA, whereas where where all the NFL teams share the certain profits and merchandise and ticket sales and all that, you know, they share it equally, or at least they all get equal shares in in terms of um, it's what allows them from a salary cap perspective to compete, unlike the NBA and like you see from that baseball movie uh, Moneyball. But that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is. It's just a situation to monitor with this Bezos thing. We're not yeah. in any way, shape, or form. In fact, uh, Keith Cummings had an article on this for us at milehighhuddle.com today. We're not reporting that Bezos is targeting the Broncos by any stretch of the imagination. We're just saying that you know you can start connecting the dots in terms of possibilities and eventualities that yeah. if this is a motivated buyer that has all the money in the world and the, the Broncos are still in turmoil and maybe even the Bolins might want what the, the children who remain – Maybe they want to sell at some point because they can't get on the same page with a unified ownership plan. And this trust is continuing to kind of stiff arm them and uh, kind of hedge for Brittany. But anyway, 
that's kind of honestly i hate talking broncos ownership it's the quickest way to get me to glaze over and just go to sleep it's it sucks don't get me wrong it's not a tenable situation but it's just not one i like to break down uh if i can avoid it now here's one from andrew he's got a little bit of a a naughty word so cover your eyes kids I'm going to lose my you-know-what if the Broncos draft Justin Herbert. I honestly think he's a worse prospect than Locke. And then he follows that up with Burrow is not a one-year wonder. He was beating Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State in that quarterback competition, and he has much improved. He has worked at it. He is an interesting player and a young quarterback prospect. And I think Nick talked about it yesterday that he you know, he probably has a, a pretty savvy scheme fit with what the Broncos are trying to do, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've, I've meticulously scouted every single quarterback coming out next year. I, to me, I like Joe Burrow. I think he has QB1 traits, and I think he helped his stock with that Alabama game. Um, but it's just it comes down to whether the Broncos are going to be in the market for a quarterback, and that's just not a question that we can answer right now. Justin Herbert, there were rumors that Elway liked him a lot last year. He decided to stay in school, so he's coming out this year. We can always speculate, but they haven't really shown their cards, as we said earlier on the show. And until I think one of those dominoes falls with the quarterbacks they have now, we just can't go much beyond just baseless speculation. Jordan wants to know, is there any chance Locke is activated to be the backup this week, or is it more likely he comes back next week or even worse the week after that? There's a possibility, Jordan, like if Locke hits the field and, I mean, more than passes the eye test, like if he just makes it undeniable, and, and that's really what he's going to have to do. If he wants to claw his way into a playing time, some playing time and an actual game day role, at this stage with how reluctant the team has been to and i think what zach said earlier is a big reason why they're just they they love lock even though all this stuff makes it seem like they don't they love him they don't want to ruin him they're really paranoid about throwing him to the wolves too early and ruining what they believe is a really uh, good young prospect even that being the case in order for him to jump up the depth chart in a short period of time he's going to have to just make it undeniable zach but still I think you and I share a brain that you kind of got to circle that final quarter, the final four mm-hmm. games of the season um, for when the Broncos are probably going to end up de- debuting lock. And if you think back to what Mike Kliss reported in between week seven and week eight, it's you're probably not going to actually see him on the field playing till week 16. But that doesn't mean the team can't activate him as soon as this week to be the backup. It's a possibility. I just wouldn't count on it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think they're going to see how he responds to being at practice, but a couple days is going to be a little too soon after so much missed time, at least on the shelf. They'll keep him in the mix next week, but I think they're going to go with Rippon as the backup to Allen, then just roll with the punches next week. He'll be available to practice from the outset. He'll have already been around the system, and going into next week, then you'll see him climb the chart to backup, and then hopefully starter after that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Brandon wants to know if there are any updates on Tim Patrick. Here's what you need to know. Patrick started practicing ahead of the week nine game against the uh, Cleveland Browns, and he's going to practice again this week. So this will be his third week of practice. Fangio said on Monday that they're going to let him finish out this week of practice and then make a decision, but they've already kind of shown their hand. They plan on activating Tim Patrick they haven't said that exactly. They haven't come out on front street and, you know, declared we're activating Tim Patrick, but they've earmarked those two spots. I think Zach for Tim Patrick and drew Locke. Yeah, I think so too. And and he's going to be a nice weapon to have for whatever quarterback is under center, a big possession receiver, pair him with Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton can't have too many right now. And like I said, the rest of this season is all about evaluation from every player on down from Vaughn on down. That includes Tim Patrick. Can he be the number, number three receiver next year? Can he be a number two receiver? They can find out over the last stretch of the season. And that's a good point because I wrote about this over the weekend. Deshaun Hamilton, he is not having a strong second mm-hmm. year. Nope. You know, he's catching only 45% of the balls that are thrown his way. He had that terrible end zone, red zone drop that cost the Broncos a chance to come back against the Raiders in week one. And he's not really been able to recover from that. Meanwhile, and he's doing, Eric Trickle points this out a lot uh, on social media, and he's done it also in his writings and film breakdowns at milehighhuddle.com. Deshaun Hamilton is doing a lot of the dirty work. And what does that mean? He's a guy that's running the routes as the wide receiver too from the, on, in the outside and in the slot that are doing things to open up uh, opportunities for other people like Cortland Sutton, like Noah Fent. And he's also doing a – one thing you can't take away from Hamilton, he's doing a great job as a blocker. He's doing what it takes, the dirty work. He is doing that, but there is an opportunity. What I'm getting at is the Broncos need another viable receiving threat on the outside to allow – so that Cortland Sutton can continue to do what he does. Teams can't sell out to shut him down without completely ignoring the possibility of a guy like a Tim Patrick or whoever ends up emerging, gashing them as well. So the Broncos are open to the possibility, which is why they're going to put Tim Patrick back on this roster as soon as this week. I expect him to be suited up and actually playing this week against the Vikings. I'm with you, and, and to touch on Deshaun Hamilton, I, I, the Broncos didn't draft him to be a blocker, and as good as his run blocking has been, and if he's helping doing the dirty work, he still has to blossom as a receiver. That's what he gets paid to do. That's where the Broncos invested in him, and they need, like you said, Chad, they need that guy to step up. They lost a lot in Emmanuel Sanders, not just his his production, but his locker room presence, and we're waiting for that next guy. It's looking like Cortland Sutton, but who's after that? Then you have a, a lot of young guys. We need that second young guy to step up, whether it's Patrick, whether it's Hamilton. Hopefully we have that answer by the end of this year. And last year, both guys really helped bridge the gap the second half of the yeah, season when Sanders went down. So it's just weird how Hamilton hasn't flowered yet this this year. But I think you'll see some good things from Patrick. Now, Matt coming in with a $5 donation on Super Thank Chat. You, Appreciate you, bro. He says, other than a quarterback, what kind of player are we looking at for the first-round pick next year? Wide receiver, O-line. Elway might spend next year in free agency. Elway's definitely going to spend, but he's going to have to earmark a good chunk of that to re-sign key Broncos like Justin Simmons, maybe even Chris Harris, a couple other guys. But as far as the draft, Zach, 
I don't think this is going to change for me between now and the draft. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive yep. line, especially offensive tackle. Yes. Yes, I am 100% with you, and I think most Broncos fans are. Wide receivers should not be in the discussion. Uh, safety or quarterback should not be in the discussion. They need either a quarterback or more likely a left tackle to replace Garrett Bowles, maybe a right tackle to replace Juwan James, or a tackle to replace either of them. It has to be offensive line. It could be a guard. They have just holes all over the place. they got to target that, though. It all starts in the trenches. That's where I expect Elway to prioritize in the draft. Our friend from Philly, Eclipse Stormborn, chipping in Appreciate with a $5 you, donation. You are the man. No comment on that from Eclipse, but guys, we're running out of time. I know a lot of you also want to spend some time watching this Monday night football game, so we're going to cut you loose here in just a second. Let me see if there's anything I've missed that we haven't really spent some time on here. Let's see what Quentin says, and maybe this will be our, our sign-off question here. He says, if Locke doesn't play this season, why not give Brett Rippon a couple of starts? They drafted him late. But look at Gardner Minshew this year. And it is true, Zach, that not only that Gardner Minshew really, you know, stormed onto the scene, but Brett Rippon, the Broncos were planning on drafting him in the seventh round. And until they packaged that trade where they gave up their seventh round to move back up into the sixth and grab Juwan Winfrey, he was going to be their seventh round pick even after they had already selected Drew Locke. So I don't dismiss that there's a possibility they might have something with Brett Rippon, but if they end up, Zach, not playing lock at all this year, I'd be stunned if you see anybody else besides Brandon Allen. Yeah, it's all this to me shows is that Broncos fans are so desperate for a quarterback, they're they're citing Jaguars quarterbacks now, and that's not exactly the the model of success for if they're throwing the ball in the NFL. But yeah, I mean, we saw what Ripping could be in the preseason. He had a nice little uh, run there, but he really is a backup quality player. I don't ever see him blossoming into something other than that. Like I always say, though, you can always – have a Trevor Simeon on the roster. You can always make a place for that guy. But as a starter, I would rather see Drew Locker or, or, or Brandon Allen any day over Brett Rippon. Travis, I'm not sure what your question is. I I looked through the stream. I don't see it. But an update on Jake Butt. He is healthy at this stage. He's an option as one of the two designations off uh, injured reserve. The Broncos could tap him to return. But uh, at this stage, I think that he's going to be a 2020 is going to be his make or break, and it's a contract year for him. Last one, guys, then we're out of here. Larry wants to know oh. if the Broncos could try and trade for Andy Dalton. Now, Just end the stream now. <laughs> not to completely make you feel small on that, Larry, or, or scoff at the notion, but do you really want to go with another washed-up has-been? I mean, Andy Dalton, how much different is he than Joe Flacco, Case Keenum? And the same goes for Cam Newton. Now, I can kind of understand the Cam Newton argument a lot more anyway than even a Joe Flacco or Case Keenum or Andy Dalton. But there's only one quarterback that's within the realm of the possible, Zach, that makes any sense to me outside of just completely going with Drew Locke, committing to that, and never looking back. And that would be if you could get your hands on Matthew Stafford. Yep. Um, I'm, we talked about this in the pod uh, yesterday. That's the one guy who I would give Elway a free pass to trade for another uh, veteran, you know, potentially quote-unquote washed-up quarterback. I wasn't making fun of you, Larry, personally. A lot of Broncos fans or some have thrown this out there. I'm just kind of crapping on that idea itself. They don't need any Dalton. He got benched for Ryan Finley. That says everything about them. Um, they need to go with a young guy, and I'd rather them fail with a young guy than be marginally good with another middling veteran like Nanny Dalton or Joe Flacco. It's time for a youth movement and stick with it this time. I would be remiss. I almost forgot again today. JT, one of our great listeners from across the pond in the United Kingdom, he hit us up with a question on Twitter, Zach, 
And uh, I, I forgot to bring it up yesterday, and I almost forgot to bring it up today. So, JT, this is for you, Doc. He wants to know, what's the deal with Jawan Winfrey? Um, I mean, he balled out in the preseason, showed great hands and awareness to get his feet down, but has hardly suited up so far in the regular season. Why is this? We even traded up for him. I think he has better chemistry with Drew Locke. Zach, what do you think's been the issue holding back Jawan Winfrey from playing? The offense, the the quarterback, number one, the offensive line, <clears throat> excuse me, and all of that. I mean, you can't develop young players with a bad quarterback and a bad system in place for that quarterback. The Broncos are lucky that Sutton's thriving despite everything else. They just don't have room for more than two playmakers in this offense, or at least in the Flacco offense, than Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton. Winfrey did look good in the preseason, but it's a it's a much harder transition going into the regular season when the players start actually caring. You're playing starting caliber talent. It's a whole different ball game. He is a, always was a long term project, and the fact that he showed any strides at all in the preseason in year one should be a success. So he'll get on the field eventually. Another guy they have to know what they have in him, but that's the only reason why you just can't expect to develop number five receivers when you have Joe Flacco as your quarterback. All right, last one here. This is from Jedi Josh on Twitter. I almost forgot him as well. He wanted to know who we think steps up as the number two. Hopefully you guys can see that there uh, on Twitter. Jedi Josh will want to know. Zach, my bet at this stage is that the number two is going to end up being Tim Patrick, but I still don't want to completely dismiss the possibility of Deshaun Hamilton. It just hasn't happened for him yet. Yeah, you know, Tim Patrick always took to the Broncos pretty quickly. He seems like a pretty heady player. I would not be surprised in the least if he came in and just immediately took that role over. Um, but Deshaun Hamilton, I think, has more talent and more upside than a uh, a Tim Patrick. So if he wants to turn it on, it would be a no-brainer, no decision. But until that happens, you got to give the uh, the advantage to Patrick. Jamal, we don't have enough time to answer that question, Doug. <laughs> we'll uh, maybe we'll circle back on that. We get a little bit closer to the end of the season, especially late in this pod we're already about 10 minutes over so what we'll have to circle back on that one you guys that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the huddle up podcast thanks for bearing with our technical issues at the top of this show that's two in a row where we had things kind of go uh skiwampus on us to open up but thanks for bearing with us great conversation awesome questions great donations on super chat appreciate all you guys guys. thanks for joining us now here's where we go from here zach and i are going to be off tomorrow no podcast from us But on Wednesday morning, you'll wake up and have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos in your podcast. Um, However you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeart, wherever you're listening to the pod, you'll wake up Wednesday morning, have a fresh episode of Nick and Carl on Building the Broncos. And then Zach and I will be back that night with a, a live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. And when we rejoin you again Wednesday night, there'll have been two full practices for the Denver Broncos. And maybe we'll have some more information on how guys like Callahan and Drew Locke are looking. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, as mentioned. Zach, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, you can see here, at Chad and Jensen. To our reviewers on Apple Podcasts, remember Batman8926 and DC and LA66. You are the two winners from our October giveaway on Apple Podcasts for your five-star reviews. Hit us up at milehighhuddle at gmail.com with your personal deets. And we will get your uh, merch out to you ASAP. But, guys, enjoy the rest of Monday Night Football. Thanks for hanging out with us. Zach, you have a good night, my brother. We'll talk on Wednesday. Me too. And uh, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. You guys have a great night. We'll talk to you Wednesday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. 
Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.